I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan, I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Alright, let's get this out of the way right off the bat. I was intending on taking a little December break, and by little December break, I mean taking off the entire month of December. And this wasn't really planned, but after Thanksgiving, I just realized I had a lot on my plate. There's a lot of like events going on. I mean, you guys know how it is. Anyone with the holiday season, there's just a lot going on. And, you know, it's my birthday on the 28th. I'm going to Mexico with my family. I'm so excited. So I'm going to be gone that whole week, basically after Christmas. And I was just like, you know what? I think maybe is now is a good time to kind of let my brain marinate on some kind of cute ideas, maybe do a little bit of a reboot in 2022. But I realized all of this was just going on in my own head, and I did not communicate that to you guys. And I'm always under the impression that y'all will not notice, but you guys do because you're the best, and I just signed off without any sort of, you know, message. So I just wanted to let you know that's what was going on. I wasn't, like, quitting the podcast. It's it's going to be back. Obviously, we're recording an episode right now because I wanted to catch up with you guys before I take the rest of the month off. And with that being said, I guess we can just get into it. Actually, before we get into it, because it is my birthday coming up, the only thing I request from you is a written review on Apple Podcasts or tell a friend about Kinda Cute, share it on your Instagram stories. If I showed up in your Spotify wrapped, you know, you could like repost that, you could tell me, you could tag me, I would be so honored. Uh, That's all I want. It's free, it's easy, and it would literally be the best birthday present I could ask for. Okay, now for real, getting into things. Uh, First off, I know you're probably sick of hearing about this by now because it's just been, I feel like, what everyone is talking about. And that alone, I think, is the testament, a testament to the pop culture power of Sex in the City. Yes, that's what we're going to get into. The reboot of Sex in the City called And Just Like That is on HBO. It follows the lives of the women in their 50s now, 20 years after we left them. And notably, Samantha, Kim Cattrall is not on the show. This, she was very adamant that she was not going to do a reboot. She famously had a feud with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, which as an aside, I was reading an art, uh, interview with Kim Kardashian and Kim said that Sarah Jessica Parker, she considers the nicest celebrity in Hollywood. And I'm like, that's so interesting because I don't know. I, I never had like heard of that before and it was just made more interesting by the fact that it's pretty obvious to me that Kim Cattrall does not like her. Uh, she accused her of kind of monopolizing off the fact when um, Kim Cattrall's brother passed away and making it about her and yada yada. And there's always just been rumblings that, you know, the Sex and the City cast kind of didn't always fully get along. <laughs> So the reboot, I feel like it has a lot of mixed emotions. A lot of people are really dragging it and hating it. I'm going to talk about some spoilers here. So if you don't want to hear it, fast forward a couple minutes. But I feel like I can't adequately speak about this without spoiling what happened. So I think I don't really know what people were expecting, actually, because to me, this reboot is very in line with the second 
Sex in the City movie. It's very cheesy. And the first movie, too. The first movie was so cheesy as well. It's very giving Jennifer Hudson a tacky Louis Vuitton bag vibes. And it's corny. It's cheesy. But to me, it's what I was expecting. So I think going into it with that expectation, I wasn't set up for disappointment. And on top of that, I was convinced that Big was going to die. That was not a surprise to me. I knew that was going to happen because I knew they had to clear the way for Carrie to be dating again. And I felt like the only really viable way for them to do that was to kill off Big. I had a strong feeling they weren't going to kill off Samantha because I really think they want to keep open the idea that she could possibly come back to the series if she ever feels like she's ready for that. I think they would pay her a shit ton to come back on because clearly she's very missed in the reboot. Uh, let's see what else we have. So big, oh, some other predictions that I kind of wish I had done a podcast episode before the show came out because I was very sure they were going to make Miranda, um, queer in some way because obviously Miranda Nixon, who plays her, and I'm sorry, not Miranda, uh, Cynthia Nixon, who plays her is a lesbian in real life. And I just felt like that was a logical path they were going to take with her. I knew that Carrie was going to be a podcaster. I had a strong feeling that Carrie would end up in her original apartment. And all of these are things that have now happened. Um, so I couldn't really flex my prediction skills, but you know, here we are. You guys can just take my word for it. As far as things that I think are going to happen coming up, now I don't really know because they've gotten rid of a lot of the things that I saw coming. So maybe there will be some curveballs. I don't know how they're going to handle the death of Stanford Blatch because obviously Willie Garrison sadly passed away recently. And I don't know if they were already done filming by the time. No, I don't. I guess they weren't done filming when he passed. So I don't know how they're going to handle that. Obviously, that is heartbreaking. Uh and the other big story here, it, I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh about it. I'm just like, oh my God, I really hate Big. That, that's what I'm laughing about. It's like, I hate Big as a character. I am such an Aiden girl through and through. I have never seen the appeal of being drawn to toxic men. I just don't. I'm like, why do you want to be gaslit? Why do you want to be cheated on? Why do you want to be taken advantage of? not treated well, left at the altar on your wedding day because boo-hoo, he can't get a hold of you on his cell phone, on your cell phone. I mean, it's just absurd. The the crap that Big put her through, and I swear the only pe- reason people are drawn to him is because he's like a rich finance dude. And I'm sorry, like that's a dime a dozen, babe. Who cares? You know what Aiden had? He had creativity. He designed beautiful furniture. I mean, can you imagine how gorgeous your home would look? And don't like, let's not try to act like Aiden was like not well off as well. He clearly was making bank. And I mean, there's nothing more niche and money making than gorgeous, beautiful furniture. I feel like Aiden in modern time would 100% have pieces in a Kelly Wurstler design piece. Okay. He'd be at the public hotel out in California. You know, it's true. So I don't know. I I wonder if there will be an Aiden cameo. I feel like there kind of has to be, you know, like I think the it would be missing something if he didn't have a cameo. Uh, I don't know how it's ultimately going to end because I think they're going to want to suck a few more seasons out of this reboot for sure. I, I think they'll probably try to do at least three and, you know, really be crossing their fingers for a Kim Kajal comeback in season three. So obviously, to switch gears a little bit, Big Dying was, to me, just 
I was like, see you later, dude. You were a shithead. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> and I feel like I can say that because he's a fictional character. And it was just so absurd that he like, you know, rides the Peloton and dies right after. And I am very much in the camp that Peloton 1000% knew that this was how this was going to play out. Because I read somewhere that Ryan Reynolds had been in, in talks with Peloton's marketing team weeks before the premiere happened. And my take is that I don't think Ryan Reynolds knew exactly how Big was going to die, but I think he knew it was going to involve the Peloton because the turnaround was too quick. So I think he knew that. I think he probably had either an NDA or they didn't tell him the details for risk of leaks and spoilers, but they gave him enough details that he was able to get all of the pieces together to very quickly create the commercial. Uh, And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Peloton after, so Big rides the Peloton. He's riding with who he calls Allegra, but in real life is the instructor, Jess King. He does a ride with her. He shortly after has a heart attack, which by the way, I'm also team. Uh, Carrie definitely should have, tried to give him CPR like what the fuck he was still breathing like girl I'm sorry were you too busy with your shoes to do a little CPR training at some point in your life you know staying alive staying alive if if anyone needs like some tips no just kidding I'm not a medical professional but I do know how to do CPR okay you don't need to breathe you just need to do the chest compressions very hard you might break some ribs but you might save a life Uh, She failed to do that. So that was so dramatic and unnecessary, but whatever. He needed to go. So he gets killed off. Within 24 hours, Peloton releases a commercial with him running off with Jess King, who he calls Allegra, and they're sitting on a couch together talking about going on one more ride. Ryan Reynolds is doing the voiceover, and he's explaining that, you know, frequent exercise is actually good for your cardio health and that Big is actually alive. Well... The real life twist is that very recently two uh, women came out alleging that Chris Noth, the man who plays big, sexually assaulted them. And then other stories have been coming out of him just being a general dirtbag, acting so gross and inappropriate towards women. Um, And it's just like, well, surprise, surprise. And it's so awful. And I think there's, you know, such a narrative always when things like this happen. Like, why why is this only coming forward now when this happened years ago? I think that's such a dangerous narrative for one. And for two, in my opinion, the reason this is happening is because he was thrust into the public eye in a very public way again when And Just Like That was getting all of its press. The two women both independently went to The Hollywood Reporter when it came out that And Just Like That was going to happen. And... I'm sure they were both it brought up old feelings seeing him again. And I, you know, and maybe they realized with him in the press cycle, it was more likely that their stories were going to be taken seriously. So I think that's what happened. I think that uh, the publications probably sat on it until this exact time, knowing that it would have maximum impact at this point or it was suppressed until this time. Who knows? But, you know, of course, now Peloton has pulled the ad, I'm sure, and just like that is thanking their lucky stars that they killed off big. But I do wonder how it's going to play out in the rest of the season. Like, I wonder if there was going to be any flashbacks with him in it. I don't think there will be because I read that he was paid $5 million for just one episode. So I don't think he would be featured in other episodes. Um, 
I feel awful for these women and just having to see him again and him be in the public eye and ugh. So I think it'll be interesting to see how those cases are handled. I'm sure they'll probably settle outside of court. Um, but yeah, Team Aiden, honestly. I, I fully understand that Big and Chris Noth are two different people, but you can't tell me that there wasn't a little bit of Chris Noth in Big. Like I feel like the reason people were so drawn to that character is because he played it so convincingly. And I just think there was a little bit of him. Like It came a little too easy for him, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, speaking of another HBO Max show that I am so beyond obsessed with, I'm so sad that I have now binge-watched all of the episodes, Sex Lives of College Girls. I told you guys when this was coming out how excited I was about it because it was created by Mindy Kaling. It had Gavin Leatherwood in it, who is so cute. He's like the hot guy in the Sabrina reboot with Kieran and Shipka. And then um, Pauline Chalamet, who is uh, Timmy Chalamet's sister, was in it, and I had never seen her anything before, so I was really interested to see her character. I love the four girls in it. They're all amazing actresses. I just think they uh, played played it beautifully. It's such a Mindy show to me. It's so heartwarming, funny, but real at the same time, even in its over-the-top nature. And I just think Mindy really shines in shows like this. And I love when shows are set in college. I think we get so many unrealistic high school shows where I'm like, are you really like banging in your parents' house? Like I'm creeped out. And actually going back to Sex in the City, we Brady banging in his parents' house, but then her freaking out over the weed. Like absolutely not. That was so absurd. Um, but I, I just, I loved, I love this show and selfishly and very like self-indulgently, I feel like it reminds me a lot of Dartmouth. So they go to this fictional school called Essex. The show was filmed at Vassar. So you get that very like New England liberal arts school. So I'm sure this isn't just solely the Dartmouth experience, but Mindy went to Dartmouth. I even in the first episode, like she mentions Jake Tapper, who's on CNN. And I he went to Dartmouth and I saw him one time in the Dartmouth gift store and I was fangirling so hard like I really wanted to ask him for a photo but I was he was with his kids and I was just like I can't you cannot be that girl but he I think he's so cute like mm, he has aged well honey and there's the mom or I'm sorry the dad of one of the characters he's talking about you know, reminiscing about his days at Essex. And he's like, when you leave here, you're going to want to have sex with New England. You're just going to love it so much. And I feel like that's such a thing with people who go to school, you know, at Dartmouth, it's in New Hampshire. People could become very obsessed with it as a place. And I, I mean, I miss it. I think it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. So I just, uh, I loved it so much. Like them at the frat parties, I found myself missing the frat party scene, which I never thought I would see the day. And my friends were texting about it and they're like you know it's it was all pretty accurate to the college experience except for the frats were way too clean and that is true I mean like you're you're sticking to the floor in a frat you're going to the bathroom without a door you know it's it's not a glamorous experience um but if you haven't watched yet please watch it and discuss it with me because I'm so excited they've already green greenlit a second season and uh I just I just love it so much. I don't even know what to say. I could go on and on about all the little, like, I don't know what I felt were Dartmouth references, but I know her co-creator went to Yale, so I'm sure maybe there's some Yale vibes in it too. I don't know. I loved it. What can I say? Stop me now. 
I'm sorry that I'm just talking about things I've watched and like want to watch, but I bought tickets to see Spider-Man on Tuesday. And if you know anything about me, like Spider-Man is my favorite Marvel sect. Like I like other ones, but anything Spider-Man, I loved the Tobey Maguire one. I love the Andrew Garfield ones. I love the Tom Holland ones. They might be my favorite. I mean, there's something beautiful about the original Tobey Maguire Kristen, Dun- Kristen Dunst uh, era like that cannot be replicated I think those are perfect movies James Franco in those movies it perfect villain but I just haven't been this excited about a movie in a long time I love Zendaya I have uh, a free large popcorn and a large drink because it's my birthday month at the AMC shout out AMC I that would normally cost probably $13 and I go on Tuesday because the tickets are $5. So, I mean, a whole movie on a heated seat that reclines with a large popcorn, a large diet cherry coke with a little bit of diet vanilla. That's my order because they have those remix ones where you can, you know, pick whatever you want. You can get a Powerade if you want, you know, go crazy. I oh, I'm elated delighted if you've seen it yet please don't spoil it i'm like so paranoid it's gonna get spoiled for me people are really playing fast and loose with the spoilers lately um and as someone who i feel like i have to scroll social media constantly kind of just to stay up with the pop culture realm it it's a it's a minefield (laughs) all right so let's get into our first article of the day All right, so I have some beef with this first article. Maybe you guys won't feel the same. Let me know. It's called Leonardo DiCaprio, Guardian of Butts by Claire Lampin. So Leo's in the movie Don't Look Up with Meryl Streep. And Meryl in the movie plays a fictional president named Jamie Orlean. And in it, she has a little lower back tattoo. She was a former nude model. So there's a scene, I guess, where it shows her uh, naked from behind and the director adam mckay said that she didn't care at all he says she's fearless she didn't even blink she didn't even bring it up like when she had to do this scene but he says you know who had a problem with it leo as in leo dicaprio and he says leo just views meryl as film royalty although maybe royalty is not a compliment but as such a special figure in the history of film he didn't like seeing her with the lower back tattoo walking for a second naked he said something to me like do you really need to show that and i was like it's president orlean it's not meryl street and apparently the movie ended up going with a body double because uh you know dicaprio and his co-stars view streep as the goat but this is why I have an issue with this. A, was Leo being protective of Meryl Streep or was he grossed out by seeing a more advanced in age woman's behind? First, that's my first issue. Second issue, why are we acting like her having a lower back tattoo and showing it on camera for a second is somehow trashy or beneath her? I mean, it's a human body. I'm so over considering lower back tattoos trashy trampy like I feel like that's very 2005 to feel that way like get over it why why is that positioning so much worse than anywhere else that mm, hate it and really why again are we applauding a white man for being concerned about how a woman who is older than him more respected than him in my mind more decorated than him, what she feels comfortable with doing. 
If Meryl had a problem with it, that's a completely different scenario. But why are we giving so much to Leah? Why are we giving him credit here? So I just, I had to discuss this because I was like, oh no, let's not act like he is some, you know, knight in shining armor here. And I just really don't feel like it was his place. And I, I'm a Leo fan, but I don't know. And one of the comments said this is um, a very PR leaked story conjured up by McKay to compliment his leads. There's no way that Streep would have bared her real butt at this stage of her career. It was always going to be a butt double. I mean, I don't think so. I really think Meryl Streep would just be like, who cares? It's a butt. Like, to me, butts are kind of almost non-sexual at this point. Like, I mean, how mooning some like I just I don't really I don't think she would have taken issue with it I think she's probably at the point where she's like who gives a shit so I don't agree with that take either I'm sure like yes there's always a PR angle to things but mm, I'm not buying that before we get into this next article I have to say part of like my desire for a reboot in 2022 is getting a more designated podcasting space where you can't hear my dogs barking in the background and I apologize I keep trying to stop when they are getting riled up if there's a little lack of flow in this episode it's because they're making me have to stop like every 30 seconds and I apologize but 2022 maybe I'll get myself a little a little designated space or something my sister's also having a full-on phone conversation. Like, there's just no respect in the kind of cute household. Okay, our next article. I hate when I feel proud of celebrities because i like, you don't know them. It's a little absurd. But I am proud of her because this article is Kim Kardashian West passed the baby bar by Mia Mercado. And she writes... We are all one step closer to Kim Kardashian West, attorney at law. And I think maybe why this struck such a chord with me is because I'm like, wow, like you look at Kim and you're kind of like, I know everyone has their own thoughts. Some people think the Kardashians are trash. I think they're genius businesswomen and have done a lot of groundbreaking things. I find it so strange that I have something that Kim Kardashian wants and has had to struggle to get. And that's a law degree because to me... I feel like, you know, it's not that it came easy. I don't want to say that, but I think just because it was always like expected that I was going to go to college and get a professional degree that it just felt like kind of one step after the next. And I don't, you know, it just, what it is what it is. Like I'd never really thought that much about it. And it's not even something I'm that proud of because clearly, as you guys know, I'm not super passionate about the law. And I love seeing Kim be so passionate about it and so dedicated to taking this sort of different process because obviously in California you don't have to go to law school you can be tutored take the baby bar and then qualify to take the bar uh and she took the baby bar four times before she passed and people were trying to downplay it by saying you know California's passage rates have changed slightly due to COVID um but it doesn't matter. Like, there's always flux in, you know, what the passage rate number is, and that, that can change year to year. So, whatever. I don't think that should diminish her accomplishments. And I just think it's crazy that, like, for me, if I hadn't gone to law school and I already was making so much money and whatever, like, I have this whole life, I have kids, I just don't think I'd have it in me to take a test like that four times. I think I would, after probably the second, be like, okay, maybe this isn't the path for me. Uh, 
but she did it. And I just think that's crazy. And she said that on her third attempt, she actually had COVID and 104 degree fever. Uh, but now she's one step closer and now she can take the actual bar exam, which um, she would be taking alongside everyone else in California. That's another thing is that I guess with COVID, the bar might still be taken remotely. But normally when you take the bar, you have to take it, at least in Florida, Every person who's taking the bar exam at a designated, like the, it's offered twice a year. So if you're taking it in the summer or if you're taking it in February, you're taking it with every single other person who's taking the bar during that time. And you have to take it in person and it's the whole shebang, you know? And it's just so crazy to think that Kim would be having to take it in a room with all these other people, but I'm guessing because of COVID, she might be able to kind of sidestep that. So maybe this is good timing for her because I feel like that would be distracting for the other uh, bar test takers. Like, I can't imagine looking over and having freaking Kim West, Kim Kardashian West next to me. Like, there's enough going on. That would be kind of the last thing I needed because that would be all I'd be able to focus on. I'm I to be fully transparent with you. <laughs> so I, I just, I am very proud of her and I, I think it's amazing and just that, you know, kind of the stars aligned that she was able to take this alternate route because she didn't even, she didn't go to college. So it's just, it's really crazy to think that she could be an Esquire and sooner rather than later. So I just want to share you guys, share that with you. You probably already heard already, but you know. Next article. Oh, to have a joint birthday party with Taylor Swift. Another Mia Marcato article. So Taylor Swift just turned 32. This is like the very small amount of time in the year where I am the same age as Taylor Swift because I also have a December birthday, but I'm turning 33. And she captioned her Instagram post, uh, don't say it, don't say it. Okay, I'm saying it. I'm feeling 32. And I think everyone loved how corny that is. An obvious throwback to her song, 22, feeling 22. And I... I think it's adorable. She says that everyone was tested. Obviously, she had to throw that in there. There's an interesting group of people like Diana Slivers. I'm like, is she who is she friends with? Is she friends with the Himes or is she friends with Taylor Swift? Uh, She dates. Oh, I'm also I just said Diana Slivers. It's Diana Silvers. I think she's still dating him. She dates Dominic Fike, who I really love. He's a musician. And then singer Gracie Adams, who I honestly, I didn't know who she was. Am I living under a rock? They have very cute birthday cakes. And I think everyone who saw these pictures, it's just this overwhelming feeling of, wow, like what I would give to be at that birthday party or just observe that birthday party. And I am just, I'm ready for that sort of um, access. You know, I... Again, I'm just living in my delusion that someday I'm going to be at a celebrity-filled birthday party, and maybe it won't be all it's cracked up to be, but I have a feeling that it might be. So, you know, keep your fingers crossed for me. (laughs) And um, I also loved what Mira wrote. She said, Swift's caption begs the question, what would a 10-year sequel to 22 even sound like? It feels like the perfect night to have one glass of wine and wake up with a headache. We're happy, free, confused, in debt, emotionally exhausted, and feeling the biological pressure to have kids at the same time. The miserable and magical line still works, I guess. And I was just like, snaps, because preach. I had my holiday party yesterday, and I definitely had far more than one glass of wine. And, you know, I drank early enough in the day. I started at circa noon that I'm actually feeling pretty decent this morning but uh it's probably because i had about four meals ordered a domino's pizza guys can i give myself a pat on the bat really really quick 
I've ordered Domino's Pizza three times since they've been doing this surprise free thing. So it's a advertising campaign they're doing where they're like, we don't have surprise fees like other uh, delivery services. I think it's actually a direct thing against like DoorDash and Grubhub. Um, they're like, you won't get a surprise fee with us. Instead, we might give you a surprise free. Now, in those three times that I've ordered, I have got surprise freeze twice and I got full cheese pizzas twice for free and mind you when i ordered my pizza last night it was because i already had a coupon for a free pizza so i had two free pizzas i just really needed to put that out there because you know i might not be winning a twenty-five thousand dollar bracelet from the it's meetings giveaway but i did win two cheese pizzas and it says you only have a one in 14 odds of winning so considering i'm two out of three like i'm again i'm gonna count that as a win (laughs) um and then honestly you know the the biological pressure to have kids and deal with all this shit i mean it's so real like miserable and magical is kind of life in a nutshell it's so poetic i think you know 22 is dismissed as kind of just a fluff song i know people love it but those those lines hit they hit me at my core all right our last article of the day i'm not gonna go through this whole thing but (laughs) it was uh sanjita Kurtz went to art basil in miami i was kind of sad i didn't go to any of the events this year because i never can get into like really exclusive ones actually i might go if anyone's been tell me how it is i might go to the chanel installation tomorrow because they were they had free tickets and i signed up for a time slot tomorrow it's like a labyrinth is my understanding of it. Um, I haven't decided if I'm committing to go, committed to going down to Miami tomorrow yet, but I'm, I'm debating it. And it's nice because this is obviously after Art Basel, so everything's like more calmed down. I don't think it's not going to be like a crazy scene. Uh, but this article is called Dispatch from the Big Art Show, One Girl, Four Art Basel Parties, and a Determination to Find Out What an NFT Is. And Sanjita is going to like the bouge parties, like the very exclusive hard to get into parties, at least in my mind. There's also like a very disturbing. There's pictures from the Playboy Big Bunny launch party, and I find it disturbing because it's real models who have cake on their bodies, but the cake looks like a human mask. And then Julia Fox, who's an actress, is eating it the cake off of one of the model's face so it looks like she's literally eating the face of the model but it's cake it's just taking is it cake or real too far for me it it gives me a little um uncanny valley that i just can't get behind there's also a delightful picture of a pomeranian and a louis vuitton dog carrier like carried by a very hairy man in a uh, hawaiian t-shirt and i i would have that would have been my highlight of the party i think she went to the W party. She went to Dom Perignon. She went to Soho houses. Um, <laughs> but literally, the part of this that that just blew my mind is this part. She says, a kid named Ray Mancini, who finessed his way into a party by jumping the fence, tells me he's getting his dad, Ray Mancini Sr., the former boxer known as Boom Boom Mancini. Is it Mancini? shit i don't know into nfts now i'm pausing here to say i know who ray is because i used to watch this absurd youtube series called 
oh shit, it was called like Summertime. It was produced by AT&T. So the whole thing was like an AT&T ad, but it gave me very much like original Laguna Beach feeling. And it was all these like very attractive kids who lived in like Newport Laguna Beach. One of them was Heather Locklear's daughter. One of them was Josie Canseco, who is Jose Canseco's daughter. And now she's like really kind of come into her own fame now because she's dated a string of famous adjacent people she's dated logan paul um she dated a rapper i'm blanking on her name she's become kind of a famous model in her own right she was actually in the news recently because she was at a party her birthday party and her dad was walking next to her in the paparazzi shot and she's wearing a fully sheer kind of like chainmail top and her nipples are showing and people were like disgusted that she was wearing that next to her dad uh but Ray Mancini was on this show, and I found him to be the most likable character on it. Um, I, he he just had a lot of charisma, and I kind of felt like he would be famous one day. So the fact that he jumped a fence to get into one of these parties cracks me up. And and this is what he goes on to say. He goes, there's a company that wants to make NFTs for fighters. So I go, Pops, we're going to do this. He has artwork made, made of him, action shots. So they want to collaborate with that and somehow just make an NFT. You know the whole situation about NFTs, right? I say no, and he elucidates. It's a digital art. It's never physical. So if I put it at $1, someone buys it from you for $1. They can flip it to $150. Flip, repeat, flip, repeat, flip, repeat. So it's for collectors that they can make easy profits. But it's also for artists who get residuals off of every transaction. How this converts to actual tangible profit is unclear, he says, but it has to do with Bitcoin. I thank him, since this is the first time someone has explained NFTs in a way that makes even a small amount of sense. My plane leaves in a few hours, so I head back to the hotel feeling a little wiser. I don't know if that's a fully accurate uh, description of how that all works. I think people are into NFTs as just a little pat on the back for themselves to think they're cool that they own the original of something. I don't think it's been fully tied into cryptocurrency at this point, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Yeah, wow, I would have loved to hang out with Sanjita Art Basel. Can we manifest that for me in 2022, guys? Guys, can we collectively just get me to a level where I can become like influencer adjacent through this podcast? I will bring y'all along with me. I will bring you as guests to any events I can. I will talk about it on the podcast. Like, I just think it'll make... It'll just make a really great year for us. And, you know, not to plug it again, but that starts with you guys telling a friend, leaving me a written review. All right. That's the last time I'll hype myself up this episode. Let's get into I think about this a lot. <laughs> so um, The Cut sends out this newsletter separate and apart from their actual, like, you know, articles. It's called The Cut Council. And one of their new writers said this when she was asked about something she thinks about a lot and you know obviously we love to feature i think about this a lot on this podcast i usually have something i think about a lot so this is what she said i think about mariah carey's 2016 rocking eve performance a lot the one where an audio track allegedly malfunctioned just walk me down she said half-heartedly as her male backup dancers escorted her down the steps eventually she just walked off it was incredible i can't believe people complained afterwards mariah has given us so much she can walk off when she wants and honestly i fully think you need to go watch a clip from this the 2016 rock and eve performance because it gives everything first off she looks incredible she's giving toxic you know, bedazzled bodysuit, sheer nude. She's wearing a nice like dancer tight. I mean, she truly, she looks incredible. 
she doesn't look cold at all. <laughs> but she has alleged that, you know, part of the problem was that her vocal cords or cords were a little frozen from the cold, which seems completely viable. I believe that. But it's just so hilarious because all you hear is the backing track and she throughout is just trying to get the crowd to sing along with her. And it's so half hearted and she's just kind of stomping around. She's letting the men kind of like hold her. She is so unbothered, but at the same time seems very annoyed. And you feel her pain because you're just like, damn, like she can't just stop the show. Like, so she's kind of having to go along with it. And she's doing her best to kind of trot around. But at the same time, she's just so non-caring that this is a total train wreck i'm gonna insert some audio of it right here we didn't have a check for this song so we'll just say it went another one and that's what it is okay Okay. Like there is so much to unpack just in that small clip. <laughs> We're missing the audio. I didn't do a sound check. Whatever it is, what it is. I'm gonna let the audience sing. Like, <laughs> I'm just so glad this was brought to my attention, and it just felt so fitting going into the new year. Just watch this. Feel good. Make. I might make this like a New Year's Eve tradition just to watch this bask in its glory have a little cocktail at home while I'm doing so because going out on New Year's Eve is so overrated please don't feel like you need to have some crazy plans for New Year's Eve I swear there's a beauty in staying home and not even staying up till midnight and having a nice non-hungover New Year's Day last but not least this will be our last legit shit of the year which also felt fitting because it's allergy season people are getting sick stupid Omicron is out here ruining shit and I constantly, you know, you know I want a nose job and that I have so much struggles with my nostrils. So I found this, I I don't even know where I saw a recommendation for it, but I read that they used it, the astronauts used it to help with their nasal passages getting dried out. And you know I love a space adjacent item that that really just did it for me. I was like, well, I got to try it. It even has a little astronaut on the packaging it's And it says, it's not a secret. Poneris, nasal emollient, was included in NASA's medical space kit. That won me over. It was only $13. And it comes in this, it's oils, basically, that come in a little dropper. And you drop them and you, you know, tilt your head back, drop them in your nose. I have to say, that way is has its benefits because it, it immediately kind of goes back into and like drips down your throat, which is as disgusting as it sounds. But I think that really does the work on helping. But for like an hour later, it's just like slowly dripping out of my nose, just like a little oil stream down the nose. So I recommend, and I read this in the uh, reviews, to take a little little cotton swab and gently, you know, put it up your nose. Use a different side or a new um, a new Q-tip for each nostril, so that you're not, you know, spreading spreading germs from each side and um i i think it's really helpful like i've I've been using it for a little while now maybe it's totally placebo effect but it does feel nice and my nostrils aren't feeling as crusty dusty as they normally would so i thought that might also help you moving into the new year as much as it helped me thank you guys again i'm so thankful for you all for listening i feel so grateful thank you for 
letting me take some time off. And I, again, I hope that means I can come back with a vengeance and just feel rejuvenated. And I will see you in 2022. Bye.